0: Good morning. Uh, welcome to Life Point Westerville. Happy Sunday. I am Mark Shields. I am one of the Campus Life pastors. Here at Westerville, and I am super thankful that I get to share uh, God's word with you this morning. Um, we are not in a series right at the moment. This is a standalone for the Fourth of July, and so I get to teach about my favorite scripture. And so I am uh, really thankful that I get to do that. One of the things that I just wanted to take a moment and just thank the Lord for is that you know we live in a free country, right? And we're about to celebrate that in just a couple days. We can live and we can worship in freedom. And so there is a lot of people that have uh, invested and been a part of that. And so I just wanna take a moment and if anybody here has ever served in the military for any period of time or has served as a first responder for a portion of time during their lives, I'd ask you to take a moment and stand. All right, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know how you feel, you don't wanna stand, right? Um, but we are, we are honored and we're thankful for your service and, uh, and we are blessed by some of the sacrifices that you represent from other people and yourselves, so thank you. Um, so as we dive in today, there's another cool thing that I am excited about is that the, four, or the kindergarten through fifth graders are actually in service today. So if you are a fourth or kindergarten through fifth grader, raise your hand, let's see you. Let me see you, yes, yeah, let's give them a hand. these guys, yeah all right yes, so I'm super thankful that you get to be in here with Mom and Dad and see them worship and see them uh, praise God, but I got a challenge for you, and so today um, I'm going to put Mark Fable in charge, um, but uh, yeah, you didn't know that, did you so However many times I say the word Jesus, the name of Jesus, I want you to write it down and if you can get the right number that Mark counts, uh, you are going to get a prize after service out in the lobby. We've got some prizes out there and so in in addition to your little packs, uh, you try to count the many times I say uh, the name of Jesus and that'll be really, really fun. Uh, What'd you say? Did somebody say something? I, I, I'm sorry, I can't, can't hear you. Um, so I got, here I wanted to sh- share with you just that has to do with this message and that really kind of, I didn't realize it at the time, but it's marked my heart and my ministry for the Lord. And, and so this scripture is a part of that that we're going to dive into today. But uh, when I was 22, um, I found out that I was going to be leading children's ministry. There was a church plant at my home church, and they said, hey, uh, I want you, Mark, to be the leader of this children's ministry, and I had no former f- formal education in ministry or anything, but I loved Jesus, and I grew up in a big family, and I loved kids, so I was like, hey, I'll do it. And they said, well, we want you to learn about it, learn about curriculum, get to know people, get inspired. And so we're gonna send you and your wife to San Diego, California for a children's ministry leader conference. And I was like, sweet. All right. You know, I'm 22 years old. I'm like, Colleen, guess what? (laughs) They want to send us to San Diego. You know, that's going to be super cool. Uh, And so side note, like when we get there, my dad was a big traveler and he gave me this upgrade for, um, you know, a rental car. (laughs) And so we get to San Diego, no kidding. I get there and we're in the rental car place and I'm like, hey, I got this free upgrade. And he's like, oh, that's cool. He goes, I got a question for you. He's like, you know what? We got a few Mustang convertibles. Would you like to upgrade to one of those? And it's free on us. And I was like, yes. Yes, count me in. He's like, the trunk isn't very big. And I was like, we will make it work. You know, we're, we're going to have some fun. And so that was just a, a cool moment. But one of the things that shocked Colleen and I when we got to the conference, kind of, you know, really, really honestly, it wrecked me um, because there was probably a thousand kids ministry and youth ministry leaders, um, you know, high school to babies at this conference. And I was so excited to learn and glean. Um, But we go into the large group sessions where they're all together. And I found out that out of probably about a thousand people, I was one of about a hundred men. So we had about 900 ladies and about a hundred guys. And, uh, and it, it it shocked me. I had I just had no clue. It never even had entered my mind that that would be the case. And so, uh, I talked with Colleen about it. We had prayed about it that night, and I knew that it was wrong. I just knew that there was something wrong about that, and and I knew that it was it was a part of the enemy's work in his church. And I was like, that's it's not the way it should be. And Colleen. Uh, I feel like I, I have to be obedient inside of that. And so today, I, I, I tell you all this today is that, guys, uh, we're gonna talk about family, the church family, and then individual families, both. And I am going to talk to you, men, and there is a role that we have to play, and it is not easy but it is God's will for us. And so as we step in, there might be a little conviction, but so get get on your seatbelts, guys, uh, because I know the Lord has some some good things for us. Um, So as we kind of dive in, I want you to consider this. All right, before we go into the scripture, I'm gonna go into... um, It's going to be Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, so you can kind of turn there on your phone or in your Bible, however you'd like. And while you are turning there, I'll just tell you, as I was getting ready to teach this scripture, I was reminded of a moment when I was in uh, school, grade school, and um, the teacher said, I think it was like second or third grade, she was like, hey, make sure whenever you speak that you put the emphasis on the right syllable. Right, and I was like, "What? What is that word?" And then, of course, she meant to say, "Put the emphasis on the right syllable, right? So that if you don't say it right, you are going to mess up everything you want to say. And so, the syllables are really important. And so, as we dive into this scripture today, I want you to know that the 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 heart that God has, the emphasis of this scripture, and what it is meant for you and for I, and for me, is that this is mission mission critical, right? This is this is God's directive for his people, and it's very, very sig- significant. And so I want you to consider two things, okay, today as we talk. Okay, first thing is, you know, with your person, if others watched your life and what you are doing, what would they conclude is the emphasis of your life, right? If somebody was a, an outsider and they observed you for a couple weeks what would they watch and what would they see and what would they conclude is the emphasis of your life? In the same vein, this is even a little bit worse. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, if somebody was able to see the thoughts in your mind, right? If they were able to observe what goes on between your ears, what would they see is the emphasis that goes on in your mind? What, what encompasses your thought processes and your daily life? What, what weight sits on your mind on a daily basis? And so I think those questions are, will be answered from God's word because he is saying, hey, this is what I want for you. This is going to be the air that you need to breathe. Okay, and he is saying this to the Israelites. Now, you know from scripture that Israelite was, the Israelites were saved from Egypt captivity, and they um, saw God do all these amazing things, and he rescued them, and he showed his love for them, and he got them into safety, into freedom, and in all these miraculous ways, part of the Red Sea, and they witnessed all this, and God's desire was so that they would see how much he loves them and how much he cares for them. But they quickly go astray and they find themselves wandering through the desert for 40 years because of their disobedience. Well, Moses, this is the scripture, Moses in Deuteronomy, which means the second law or the second reminder, he's getting ready. He's saying, hey guys, we've been in 40 years. Like we've been over this before, but just before you go into the promised land, I'm gonna go over these things again. And he goes, this is what has to lay on you now and forever. God's people forever and ever have got to get this right they call it the Shema in Jewish or Shema however you want to pronounce it but they are like this is mission critical if you get this wrong the emphasis of your heart is always going to be off and you are going to be led astray and so the first point that I want you to consider here is his love is so deep that it would forever capture our hearts Okay, this is God's desire. His love is so deep that it would forever capture our hearts. We read this in his words. So this is Moses' command to the people, and it applies to us today. I'll say one more thing before I dive into the scripture as well, because I just, I want you to consider this truly. When I was going through the scripture, okay, I was reminded of when I went on a flight recently. I've been on lots of flights lately, and when you get on a flight, you're getting ready to, to go, and right before you take off, of course, the flight attendant walks up to the front of the plane and says, hey, there's a few things that you need to know while you're on this flight. One of them is the seat back pocket card. You need to know where it's safe and what to do in an emergency, and then they talk about the seatbelt. Seatbelt's really important. You need to put this on yourself and, uh, and keep safe. And then it says, should we lose cabin pressure for any reason, just so that you know, these oxygen masks are going to fall from the ceiling, and you are supposed to put those on. But this is really interesting. I've heard this a ton of times, and they say it every single time, and they say it's of utmost importance. They say, hey, first things first, when these masks drop, you have to put it, on yourself first before you put it or help anybody else right and so you're like as a parent you're like that doesn't compute because you're like no I'm not going to do myself first I'm going to make sure my kids are safe first I'm going to make sure these little ones are safe first I'm not going to do it but what, what they're saying is no no this is this is air right if you don't get this in you you help nobody and can you imagine, you know, just in this scenario, if it were to happen, if we were to ever lose cash and cabin pressure for any given reason, and then these things drop out of the ceiling, and of course, everybody's going to be like a little frantic and worried, and, and, and you see it, and you're like, oh my gosh, and you see your kid, and you're like, here, you know, put, put this on, and your kid's like, you know, puts it in the, no, smack it away, right? You, you could totally see that happening, right? But, If you take that mask, right, and your kid watches and all of a sudden you put this mask on and you do it and then they see you breathe and then they see some of the other adults then they're like, oh, wait, other people have got this on. And then you're able to put it on them and then everybody's safe, right? This scripture is like, hey, this is breath. This is life. We get this wrong, everything else falls away. Okay, so this, this is the way to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That one in the original Greek is a unity. It stands for a unity. And so we think Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three and one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's first and foremost. And then he says, And these things, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts and on your gates. And so... This is what he's saying right before they go into the promised land, before they enjoy the, the houses that they did not build and they get crops from the vineyards that they did not plant. And the place that they've been waiting for when they finally get there, Moses is warning them, hey, if you forget who, if you if you don't love the Lord your God, if you get this wrong, if you don't draw life from him, if this isn't the breath you breathe, you're going off really, really quick. And just, I want to make a quick note of this. Families and singles and couples, anybody, this is called the family framework. And all of us have a play a role in the family. We all have families that we're a part of, and we all have a faith family that we sit here right now with. And so God has a plan for each and every one of us in this. So it's for everybody. But in the family framework, it has Deuteronomy 6 and all the ways that you can work his word in to the everyday rhythm of your life, and to, and to teach these things to the to the next generation. So, just want to encourage you there. Okay, so that first part of the verse it says, "Hero is real. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might." So, parents. What this means is he's speaking to you. I'm going to speak to everybody today, but specifically a lot is going to be towards moms and dads. And it says that in his word, you are the primary faith influencer in your child's life. Nobody is going to see more of Christ. They are not going to be impacted more by anybody else than you. Okay, so there's a weight to that, right? Good news, good news. There is nobody better for your kids than you, even in your failures. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you are to be the primary faith influencer, not, not the church, right? That, does that make sense? That doesn't make sense all the time from what I have seen lived out. People kind of think like, well, you, go to, you want your kids to learn, you take them to school. You want your kids to know Jesus, you take them to church. No, that's not the way the Lord set it up. He was like, you know, mom's dad's. You're you're the primary faith influencer. Now, this is this is also another piece that is that is right straight to the heart, and this this is very kind of convicting. And this is guys, where I, where I dive into you a little bit, but it says that uh, in Ephesians five. So under the blanket of this rule, we are supposed to draw life from God. In Ephesians five, it says that we are supposed husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, okay? Husbands, love your wives. And then it says, wives, love your husbands and submit to them and respect their role in the family and love each other. Now, You've probably heard that before, but what is the significance of that in the family? I will tell you, I have seen and experienced in my 25 years of ministry with family and kids, I will just tell you that when mom and dad are good, right, for whatever reason, when mom and dad are on the same page, when the kids can see that mom and dad really do love each other and want to be with each other and hang around each other and there's joy, the kids have solid ground to walk on. They might not even know the Lord yet, but they, they just, it's, it's like, that is their first impressions of God. Like, you know, this authority, this role. And when mom and dad are good, they've got solid ground. They're healthy, they're doing good. But when mom and dad are not good, even if mom and dad just get in an argument, or God forbid, mom and dad get into a place where they can't even stay together or tolerate each other anymore, right? In that space, What I have seen and experienced years and years over, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of kids, is when they step into that space, they don't have ground anymore. They are literally like astronauts. And they are just floating, and they are just looking for something to cling to, something to keep them stable. Something that they can count on because their whole world just gets twisted in a way that they've never even seen or understood. And so they just need stability. They need discipline. They need consistency. They need love. And they're just like, what do I do? So they'll grab anything. Single parents, I'll just encourage you with this. When those moments happen, the Lord always steps in And guess where he steps in? All the time. I've seen it over and over again. He steps in with men and women in the church where there are just these men and these women who don't have kids, don't have families that step into this space and mentor and love people and let God use them. And they can be the the peace that you need. And I will tell you as well, that Christ has a special relationship for those that depend on him in those moments. And he is more than sufficient. He will go before you and do the work that you can. But I'm just telling you this this is huge. So so like but the thing is just like we talked about at the beginning like with that mask, that's not normal for a lot of people. What I have seen and experienced over years is usually once you are blessed with that younger generation, once you are blessed with those kids, then all of a sudden that primary relationship between mom and dad becomes secondary. And just like you want to get those kids the mask first, right? You want to Put your heart and your mind and your thoughts and your life into those kids first and then at the neglect of your spouse. And when that happens, honestly, it's detrimental to a lot of things. You have to stay in love with each other, husbands and wives. Date each other. And when you do that, like you are are coming under God's loving authority and the kids will see that mom and dad are good and they will have solid, solid ground. So husbands, date your wives. Step in to these spaces, okay? This is huge. Second part of that verse, another, another part. Um, Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So he's basically saying, hey, th- th- you've got to weave this into the rhythm of your family. This, this love that you have, if you really do love me, you're going to see, the, the, the younger generation is going to see that affection for me and it's going to be played out throughout your day and throughout your life. So every family here at some point has got to wake up kids to go somewhere right? And, and maybe it's just waking up and say, hey, let's enjoy the Lord's day. Thank him for the day right from the beginning of the day. Every family here is gonna feed kids at some point. Even if it's just chucking nuggets at them in the back seat on your way somewhere, you still are gonna be with them and you're gonna have this, you know, isolated area where you can talk with them and God can use that. So he's saying, weave these things into your everyday rhythm and every night you're gonna tuck your kids in bed and I always tell families, you know how like especially when they're little you kind of like tuck them in and put that blanket over them don't ever stop don't ever stop but blanket them with prayer and just and let them hear your words let them hear mom and dad pray and speak life over them speak life over them tell them who you think they are and who you imagine them to be in Christ and the warriors that you'll hope that they'll one day be for the king this has got to be worked into the rhythm. But this is where it has to do with everybody as well. This is this is huge because that rhythm, that desire that God has for us to do it every day, you know, no matter where we're at, it has to do with everybody. Singles, young adults, young couples without kids, older couples with kids, grandparents. I'm just telling you grandparents are gold in this area and it is you, you have got to be a faith influencer. I mean, star, underline it. You've got to be a faith influencer in somebody else's life, whether it's your kids or not. It could be aunts. I mean, you could be an aunt, uncle, anybody. It could be a nephew, a cousin. It could be a neighbor of a family down the street, and you just pour your life into them. Whoever it is, you have got to pour your life and your love for Jesus. They have got to see it they've got to see other people. The significance of this uh, came about when I read this book. It's called Sticky Faith, okay? They surveyed thousands of kids that went to college, that grew up in the church, okay? And of the thousands of kids that they surveyed, they said, hey, what is it about your faith that made it stick, because most people, the large percentage, I think right now I've heard, last I heard it was like 65% of kids, once they go to college, they walk away from their faith. So what was it about this, about what you did that stuck? What Ask the kids, like, how did this faith stick? And there was, sorry, grandparents, moms, dads, there was no silver bullet. Like, this is it. But what they did find out that was really interesting is that these kids that had these parents that grew up in the church and they loved on them in the church had five other outside faith influencers pouring into their lives from childhood on through college. Five other faith influencers. That's teachers. That's coaches. That's mentors. That's neighbors. That's, that's the church. That's, that's you and I. That's our space. That's what we're called to do. And so other faith influencers are huge, huge in the child's life. And so that's each and every one of us, right? We get to step into this space. God could do it on his own, but he lets us be a part of it. What a privilege. Um, then this last part of the scripture where it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so what he's saying is this, you cannot miss this. It's every single day. Reminder, you've got to put it on your doorpost so it's the last thing you leave when you come home and you praise God and smack the sign on the way out as a family. And then when you return Put it on the gates so that you remember, hey, this was a day that the Lord made, and we got to be joyful and glad in it, and we're going to do this as a family when we get home every single day, and then he uses that frontlets thing. What is that, right? Like Wrapping with hands and frontlets between your eyes, and I'll just tell you in the Jewish tradition what they used to do, and this is really kind of cool in my opinion. Uh, I, got, I think we have a picture right there. So... Um, They used to take the scripture and they would put it in these things called phylactery boxes and they would wrap this around their hands and this was attached to them. And the whole premise of it was that this word would actually get in their way and be annoying throughout their day and be a constant reminder that this word that is in this box, I need to live it out. I need to use my hands and use my feet and use my body to do the things that This scripture says. Like it can't just be in here. It has to be in my life. And so they would, every time that they would mess up, they would remember, oh God, I got to do this word. Like I love you. I need to show people that I love you. And so that was the, the hand. And then they would say, and then as frontlets between your eyes. How annoying would that be to have that box just sitting on your head all day? But the, the, the idea was is that that scripture would so be a part of their consciousness and that they would remember it and they would memorize it, that it would come out in their thoughts, that it would come out in their speech, that it would come out and even protect their dreams right, that this this word would just so encapsulate their very minds in between everything in their ears that it would change them forever. And this was their desire. And they had to do it physically because they knew if they didn't have that constant reminder that they would just go astray. The emphasis of their hearts would be off quicker than they could, you know, shake a stick at it. And so that was really, really critical. And I, and to go along with that, I will just tell you that this young generation, right? These, these, these little ones and these high school students, and even these college students, they need to see men and women that go, right? That leverage their lives for the Lord, that just go, that love the Lord, and it affects their hearts and their minds so much that they are constantly going. Like, where do you go? Like, you go as the church, you can go right in the lobby and meet people and serve on connections. You can go in security and help keep us safe. You can go and invest in the next generation, in kids and in students. Like, you can go in that way, but they have to see you going, going to your neighbors when they're hurting. They, they need to see moms and dads and authorities and faith influencers that do all these things. It's huge. And it, it hit home for me just a few years ago when my good friend Ryan Bosler called me and said, hey man, um, I wanna go to Uganda and um, I wanna bring my, my two girls. And he was like, do you think it's safe? Do you think it's okay if kids go? I don't know if that's something that we do as a church. And so we, we did a little bit of work and we found out, yes, this is going to be safe for the kids. And I got a picture of Ryan right there. And, and I'll just tell you what, Ryan would be the first one to tell you that he's a mess. Like, he's just like you and I. He messes up all the time. And his kids know him. <laughs> they know that sometimes he says things and then does something different. They know that there's a hypocrisy there, but they know their dad loves them. And guess what those kids got to see? They got to see their dad loving on other kids, teaching God's word, praying for those in need. They got to be with their dad in worship. And I was like, wow, man. They get to see their dad going. I pray that they see all of us going. This next generation is like, oh my gosh, my parents are constantly going after me. My parents really do love this Jesus. They sweat Jesus, you know? Um, That's what our kids need to see. Next point is, that I wanna discuss is, his love applied to our lives is not easy, okay? So faith influencers, parents, whatever your role, his love applied is not easy. Okay, and I'm gonna talk to you about discipline, right? We are called to let this word discipline us, right? This is God's word. This is sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide soul, spirit, joint, and marrow. And God has put things in this word that we are not going to like. He's gonna ask us to do things that we don't want to do. And God is saying, you have to trust me and you have to do what I tell you even though you might not understand. You have to be disciplined by this word. And then when this word disciplines us and when we draw life from God and we fall more in love with him, we naturally have to show our kids that same kind of discipline. And guess what? Their first perception of God is you. Their first, oftentimes it's dad for the, for the good or for the negative, right? And so men, this is, this is the space we're called to. We have to step in to this space and it is just so, so critical. This is the scripture that I want us to to hit. His his love applied to our lives is not easy. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, seven through eight. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. And so he's saying, you're mine. I love you. I will do anything for you. And I am going to discipline you. I am going to show you what you need, even though you don't like it. And then parents, that also means that we have to do that with our kids, We have to discipline them. We have to show them. We have to do things around them. We have to correct them. We have to lead them up in a way that the Lord would have us go. And right now, there's an epidemic in our country, and it's not COVID. It's authority. It's showing the next generation that mom and dad, you you have to be listening to. They have to listen to mom and dad. They have to do, because what is happening in our generation is I'm seeing kids that actually think that the world revolves around them. And there's a God who this world revolves around and he wants them, but they need to see it through us. So discipline is huge. The Lord taught me this in a really kind of rough way a few years back. Um, so my son, Tyler, is a senior in high school right now, but when he was six years old, uh, we found out that he was diagnosed as a type one diabetic. I was coaching him um, in basketball, and I had seen that he had lost a lot of weight, and he had just gotten over being sick, and then he asked me to go to the restroom, like, five times in a one-hour practice, and I called Colleen, and I was like, something's not right with Tyler. We need to make a doctor's appointment, so Colleen did. We go to the doctor's appointment the next day, and we are there for five minutes, and they say, hey, Colleen, Mark, you need to head down to Children's Hospital immediately. Your son has sugar in his urine, and you think he is a diabetic, and so Um, you got to go. And I'm just like, what? What is diabetes? I've got a picture of my son, Tyler. Um, There he is. I was like, what? Like six years old. And as we went there, he got worse and worse. Uh, He started to get lethargic. Uh, His face started to get pale and, and, and I started to get really, really scared. And so sure enough, the doctors, they come out. And I didn't know that they had to make sure they weighed him and look at his carbs and get this ratio, and then they had to give him the right amount of insulin. And then my six-year-old gets a shot, and in like two minutes, color comes back to his face, and he asks for his Nintendo DS. <laughs> He's like, "Dad, where's my Nintendo DS?" And I was like, "Oh, thank you, Lord." But then they told us, "Hey, you know, you gotta, you actually have to learn about this disease," and so. You've got to learn about how many carbs he eats and how to figure out the ratio. And then you have to check his blood sugar. And then you have to make sure that you give him the right amount of insulin. Too much can send him in the hospital. Too little over time can cause all kinds of problems. And so it's gotta be the right amount. And so I'm getting ready. And you know we've been there for two days and they're teaching me and my wife's like, okay, hey, you're the man. You know, so you're gonna, you're gonna give Tyler his first shot. And who wants to give a six-year-old a shot? Like, nobody wants to do that. What six-year-olds, what kids are excited about shots? Nobody, right? And so I remember being so nervous to do this. And what ended up happening was we were getting ready and I'm practicing on an orange and I've got uh, everything and I get the thing and I squirt out, make sure all the air is out. And so I'm like, okay, come on, I gotta get ready. And I was like, Tyler, I'm gonna give you a shot, okay? And he's like, okay, dad. And Colleen is sitting on the bed with him. He grabs Colleen's arm and he hides behind her shoulder and he's got his leg out there and he's like, okay, dad, I'm ready, I'm ready. And so they had told me to make sure that you plunge really hard with your thumb to get all that insulin in there and so I'm thinking okay this is what I got to do and so I shove the shot in his leg and then I am pushing as hard as I can with the thumb and the nurse says make sure you push make sure you push and I'm pushing everything I have on my thumb but I assume that maybe I wasn't pushing it in his leg hard enough and so I push down hard and Tyler screams And then he comes out from behind his dad, from his mom, and he looks at me with these tears. And he just looks at me like, Dad, you hurt me. How could you? And I just remember being like, Oh my gosh, that's how the Lord looks at us. Like, we don't want it, we don't want to conform to the the things that we have to do. But he has this plan for us, and it's so much better than ours, and he loves us, and he's willing to do whatever he has to. And you know, now, it's crazy. But when at my 17-year-old, sometimes he goes high at night, and we get this alarm on our phones, and I walk into his room, and I just kind of wake him up, and I'm like, hey, bud, I gotta give you a shot. He's like, thanks, dad. Because I don't have to get up. I don't have to calibrate. I don't have to do anything. My dad's gonna do it for me. And he knows it. Now he sees that I love him. That first time he saw it, he didn't understand. I think for us, the first time we see the Lord's discipline, we don't understand. But it's for our good. And we have to discipline for our kids' good. It's it's really, really important. The last thing, this is my favorite part of Scripture, and I'm going a little over, so I apologize. Um, I'll try to keep it quick, but I want you to know his love is worth standing for. The Lord's love is, is worth standing for. This word and letting it penetrate our heart and letting it get into the rhythm of our lives and doing it day in and day out and letting the next generation see and sacrificing the time and doing all the effort. It is so worth it. It's worth standing for it's so worth standing for. This is my favorite part of scripture. There is this moment where Pilate is bringing Jesus before the people, before the accusers, and he's getting them ready. And he does not want to have to send Jesus to the cross. He doesn't want to have to do this because he's had a dream. And in his dream, he was not supposed to do it. His wife has warned him. His wife had a dream. He, she warned him about, you know, killing this man because he was truly the son of God. And so he's nervous about what he has to do. And then he steps into this scripture. And this is John 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. Parents, we put like in the Jewish tradition, they put the phylactery boxes on their heads just to remember, just to try their best to remember this word. Jesus right now is paying for all our failures as parents. You are the best one for your child. And even in your mistakes, Jesus redeems the whole thing. And when we mess up, he's taking the crown of thorns. What a gracious gift. It falls on him, okay? So, they put it on his head, and arrayed in a purple robe, they came to him and sang, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. The failures that we do, Jesus took those too. The failures that we do in our lives when we fail, when we mess up, when we don't do the right thing, when we over-discipline or we under-discipline or we fail our children or we're not good influencers for whatever reason, he redeems it. He takes it. He takes it all. This is where he takes it. And And then Pilate says, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to him, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to the law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, He was even more afraid. And he entered into the headquarters again, and he said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it were given to you from above the king of kings, the creator of all things, holds this man's breath in his hands and stands there as a man, completely God and completely man, bloody, beaten, bruised. And he looks at Pilate and he says, you think you have authority? I hold your life. Nothing is gonna stop me from what I'm gonna do. I'm going all the way. I'm redeeming the whole thing. Everything wrong, everything is gonna be made right. In Jesus' name, Jesus is gonna pay the price. Parents, single parents, faith influencers. We have a redeemer who makes all things right. And he wants to use us. He lets us be a part of his work of redemption. We get this chance for only a short amount of time. We have this chance to impact the kingdom, to show people this God that we love and what he's done for us. What a privilege. What a privilege. I'll just tell you, I want to celebrate this with you, because because of your obedience, because of your faith, because of this church and the people in this body, we have had young adults, and God has been using them in mighty, mighty ways. And I just want to share with you this, these things. So there is a, a guy who teaches faithfully in the kids' ministry. And he told me when he first started five years ago, he was like, I am not the right guy. I've done Boy Scouts before, but I have never taught kids, and so I feel really uncomfortable. And I was like, Jason, you'll be perfect. You'll you'll do a great job. This guy takes it so seriously, prepares and teaches. And one of the girls in his class, it hit home. Jesus used it, and she got baptized just a few weeks ago. And as she right before she went under the water in baptism, she said, I want to thank Mr. Jason for teaching me the word. I was just like, yes. There's a young man who his, his friend was struggling with some things. He, he, he believes that he's an atheist. He doesn't, he's not sure about this, this God. And so his name's Carter. He brought his friend to, to Pastor Ed and Ed spent two hours answering all his questions and talking with him about Jesus. And now that guy was at church this morning. Praise the Lord. Ed's daughter, Abby, just went to Young Life Camp. And at Young Life Camp, they teach them about Jesus all week long. And she invited a friend. She got sick while she was there, so she wasn't feeling great. But her friend heard the gospel, accepted the Lord, and and Abby got to walk her through Romans and literally lead her to the kingdom. And all these things, every one of these faith influencers, everything that happened was because I know of men and women in this church, singles, young couples and adults that have poured their life into these, or like Jason, have been the ones to pour their life into these. And then the last one I'll tell you, of course, is close and dear to my heart as my son Zach. He's a leader in Young Life, and he got this opportunity to go on, on camp, but it was really expensive, and he was talking with Colleen and I, and he was like, hey, I don't know, it's so expensive, I don't know if I should go, it's a whole week, it, you know, I have to raise the money, he does all that. He goes to Young Life camp. They hear the gospel over and over, they hear about their sin, they hear about how, who Christ is, and then they get this opportunity at the end of the week, and it say, they say that let, the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so they have this moment where if you have been impacted for Christ, that you stand up and you say so. In front of all your peers, hundreds and hundreds of peers, if you love Jesus, you stand up. Zach oversaw 10 kids. Two of them he knew loved Jesus already. In the night of the say so, seven of his 10 all stood. And he said, Dad, I was just in tears. And I know that that moment never happens if it's not for men and women in this church pouring into my Zach. It's surely not Colleen and I. We have messed up so many times. They are countless. But we have this Jesus that redeems us. And my kids know I love Jesus. You know, when he told me, that seven people gave their lives to Christ. I didn't make a reaction, but inside, I was just like, "Yes! Yes! That's my son. That's my boy. I could never be more proud. He would let the Lord use something like that. I saw the battle beforehand. I knew that he didn't want to go, but he went. Men, we got to go. We got to stand. We step into that space, we protect, and we show them that we love Jesus. Would you guys join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we need you. It's just, there's just no other way to say it. We need you. Lord, we're so thankful that you, that you didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven down and your son, Jesus. And you entered this space that you didn't have to and you took on our sin and our shame and you redeemed it all. So Lord, the best thing is is that I know you're coming back again because the grave is empty. You walked out of the tomb and you were alive and you are here in this room right now and you know that your children are here with you and you want to use us What a privilege, Lord. What a privilege. I pray, God, that you see us when you come back. I pray that you see a church that stands. I pray that you see these men and these women in this room standing for you with their neighbors, standing for you in their workplaces, and standing for you in their church. I pray that they would ring out their lives for you. And that this generation would see him and they would fall in love with you, Lord Jesus, the great redeemer, the one we need. Thank you. And if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, you just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I I need you as my savior. I confess that I'm a sinner and I know that you died on a cross for me. I believe that you rose again. And I believe that you want me, and I want you be king of my life. If there's anybody here, just pray a prayer like that, and you're his. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us stand. It's in Jesus' name I pray.